Welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Sarah McDilling. I'm here with my amazing colleagues, Sam and Mark, and we are here today to talk about scary books in honour of Spooktopia, otherwise known as Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> so who wants to begin with their scariest read? Well, I wanted to. I actually wanted to ask a question first, Ooh. and I was curious as to what criteria you use to choose which books uh, you're going to talk about today. Interesting. So, do you mean like, does it have to be supernatural scary, or is it? Yeah, or like, like what did it? What What did it mean to you? Like, what What for you personally makes a book take that step from scary. just being like a, a horror book or a, or a creepy book to actually being something that scared you? I would say if I'm reading something that's really getting to me scary-wise, I often find myself like putting the book down for a second and just regrouping and thinking like, <laughs> am I okay? Like, should I keep mm-hmm. reading? So that's a sign. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you, Sam? Uh, when I was thinking about, um, you know, books I want to read at Halloween and the, the books that really stuck with me, I was thinking about um, the ones that I still think back to and remember even when I first read them, all of those feelings and, all, and, yeah. and, and going through that. So I thought of the, the books that really have made an impression and kind of the the feeling of them has not faded throughout the years. Cool, cool, cool. And those are the ones that I sort of thought about for the ones that I like to reread around Halloween. That's great. For me, it's um, the books that I dreamed about. Ooh. So if it's spilled so over into... Nightmares. Not necessarily <laughs> nightmares, but... <laughs> I'm making myself look like a fraidy cat. But um, <laughs> if it's spilled over into my into my dreams, then, mm. then that for me means that it's registered on some kind of instinctual level. Unconscious level. Yeah. Mm. yeah. If you were like... If you find yourself recommending it to people but going don't read it alone or something like that. Like that would be another sign. Or, it's, it's, or if you wouldn't terrifying. read it alone. Yeah. Well, you can't do that because what's scary is different to everybody. So you can uh, say, be careful with this book. It'll haunt your nightmares. And then they read it and they're like, mm, no, you're just a wimp. I would immediately read any book that someone handed to me with that description. It'll haunt your nightmares. Yes, please. Okay. Well, you'll love all my recommendations today then. All right. Begin, Mark. I'm so excited. Um, okay, cool. Uh, so the first one that I'm going to talk about is House of Leaves by Mark Z. Danielewski. I've never read that. Never read that. It's really, really interesting book. Uh, the basic story is it's about a family and they move into a house. And the house, they realize, has a bit of a TARDIS thing going on Mm -hmm. in that it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. (laughs) Um, And at first, they just notice this when they're measuring the place um, and they're trying to find places for furniture or whatever. Uh, But then as the story evolves, they kind of discover more and more about this haunted house. And there's more and more layers to it. There's more and more hidden corridors with things in them they find. And as the book becomes increasingly more and more weird in terms of the story, the book itself becomes even more weird and kind of almost inverts on itself. And there are passages where you'll just be one sentence per page for many, many, many pages. Then suddenly it's a screenplay and then suddenly it's back to being a novel. It's a bizarre, interesting book. And the reason that I I found it quite unsettling was that... um, 
the descriptions of like the haunted corridors and everything and the darkness that kind of resides in the house is done in such a strange way that you don't really have time to put it in the context of a proper narrative. Um, and so it's uncanny and it's unsettling and so much about it doesn't make sense. Wow. Yeah, it's, a, it's an experience. That sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah. I never understood that it was, like I've, I've heard it, it, it has been recommended to me before, but no one's ever explained to me that it was like so layered and intricate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and there's lots of, um, there's lots of footnotes in it as well. I love footnotes. And the footnotes <laughs> are all links to books that don't exist. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Using the formatting is such a great way to unsettle the reader as well, mm. not just like what's on the page, but just how it's formatted and keeps you on your toes and stuff. That sounds really, really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. So then you end up with this list of books you want to read that don't actually exist. Yeah. Do the footnotes <laughs> like give you a blurb on them and everything? Well, I looked on, um, I was looking for another reason the other day on Wikipedia for um, fictional books because I was thinking of writing a blog post about them. And um the biggest entry is from this book. There's like a hundred of these just fictional books that are ostensibly about the house. So, yeah. I love that. Okay, cool. Um, Sam, do you want to? Sure. Um, I probably want to start with um, one of my favorite books and probably the book that I come back to a lot, which is Heart Shaped Box by Joe Hill. I love that book. It was his debut and it's a real horror classic for me. Um, it's not a hugely long book, um, but it reminded me so much of early Stephen King and really took me on this huge Joe Hill journey and now I've read so much of his, but I've also got still so much more to read. Um, it, I, I loved Heart Shaped Box, so people haven't read it. I don't know if you've read it. So. I haven't. So basically it's about this ageing rocker who's got kind of a, I don't know, I always pictured him like a, like a rock star Neil Gaiman um, <laughs> kind of thing. So he's got all these, he, he's a collector of weird items. Um, and he's got a, you know, he's a young girlfriend and he um, gets an ad uh, to buy someone's ghost, someone's grandfather's ghost. Um, and it comes to him in a suit. Um, <laughs> so that someone sends him their grandfather's suit that he's attached to or that he died in. Um, and it's this, as the story progresses, it just gets more and more unsettling and more and more strange and more and more scary as you find out that he's not just been sent a vengeful ghost He's been sent a vengeful ghost by someone who utterly wants to destroy him and his girlfriend and his oh entire life. And they're taken on this incredibly terrifying journey as they try to basically halt um, their own destruction um, from this you know, immaterial thing. How do you stop a ghost? Um, and they have to uncover the reason why they've been, they've been sent that. Oh, that um, sounds so cool. Yeah, it's a, really, it's a really fun story because it's both terrifying and, and really suspenseful mm. but at the same time there's also great action and you know sort of fast-paced points as well but absolute classic for me that is a good rack <laughs> the the thing that i love most about that book is um the imagery the way mm. that he describes the ghost mm. um and the it's old really man in the book. yeah like yeah. i could imagine him perfectly and i think that's what yes. was so unsettling for me and i couldn't that's probably one of the reasons why i can't ever get this book out of my head is that i can just picture that ghost kind of standing on top of the stairs, you know, um, from one of the scenes in the book. Mm. Why haven't they made this into a film? Oh, they should. They should because they just made um, uh, In the Tall Grass, which is a short story by Joe Hill and Stephen King for one of their collections into mm. a Netflix film. So there is, yeah. there's so much... Uh, and we're in such a 
Stephen Kingian time, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I'm, sh- I'm sure they've got some Joe Hill lined up because yeah. Joe Hill is actually Stephen King's son. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. I was taking that yeah. as like, we should have said that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's controversial, but I kind of prefer Joe Hill. <laughs> wow. Wow. Interesting. I don't know. He's just got a really tight and weird form of horror. Um, and they have written a few books together. They have right? written a few books together. Yeah. I just find that Stephen King's horror is a little more... Um, broad in scope, whereas mm. Joe Hill tends to keep it really, really tight on a small group of people or a small town or, or even just an individual person. Mm. Um, and you see that in Horns and in other places, in mm. other stories as well. I just have to, I'm a Stephen King nerd, so I have to make one <laughs> correction. <laughs> um, he, he, they didn't write um, Sleeping Beauties together. That was Stephen King's other son, other son. Owen, Owen King. Owen King, yeah. that's right. Yeah. They're I, had, a family. I didn't realise there <laughs> were two sons that wrote. Yep. And um, his wife's a novelist as well, I'm pretty sure. Has has Owen King written books alone? Yep. Yeah, none of them have been kind of to the level of success of Joe Hill or Stephen King, but I think he's written two or three kind of, I think they're fairly straight, um, straight kind of dramatic novels. I I don't think he goes supernatural normally. Okay. All right. So I guess it's my turn. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to go for some contrast. I'm going to go classic. And talk about a book that I feel like I've probably talked about too much before, but it's Legacy of Cain by Wilkie Collins. Have either of you read it? I have not, no. no. Okay, the reason... Have you read any Wilkie Collins? No. Okay. The reason I love Wilkie Collins is because he, he is so dramatic. It's like the um, it's like Dickens, but with more gothic um, stuff, with more like ghosts and um, just like wildly dramatic and I love it. And he has great villains. And he's most famous for The Woman in White, which is another really great scary story. Yep. But I'm going with Legacy of Cain just because it's a story about sisters and I really love it and I'm just going to set it up. Okay. Which is that it begins in a prison and there's a woman who's just given birth to a little baby girl and she's on death row, so she's about to be executed. And a priest comes and takes the baby away and says, I'll, I'll take it to a good home. And she's a murderess. And she's unrepentant for her sins. And so there's that. Then you flash forward and there's these two sisters and you know one of them is the baby who has the murderous mother, but you don't know which one it is. And then this story unfolds and it's like got all this sisterly rivalry and there's all this amazing stuff going on and it's gothic and dramatic and amazing and spine-chilling, like genuinely spine-chilling. And it has an amazing reveal <laughs> that's just like it's just great I just I just love it and so I would say if you want you know some like if you're into like the old scary stuff mm-hmm. like um what's that what's that movie with uh Nicole Kidman in it the others um the others or you know Henry James turning mm-hmm. of the screws flavored stuff and you mm-hmm. just want to really revel in some gothic drama Wilkie Collins Legacy of Kane. sounds awesome <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next one, next one. Okay, um, my next one is a book called The Troop by Nick Cutter. Have either of you heard of that one? Nope. No. Um, it's really awesome. So it's uh, <laughs> it's about this scout troop and they go on a camping trip to an island. And before you can say Lord of the Flies... Um, <laughs> Somebody rocks up at the island on a boat. He's escaped from some kind of bioengineering lab and he's been infected with something. And I, I don't want to give away exactly what it is that he has, but 
obviously there wouldn't be a story unless everybody got exposed (laughs) to the infection. And it's a hugely creepy book that has an amazing amount of body horror that taps into kind of instinctual fears that we as humans have about certain creatures. So it's this creepy, crawly, wriggly body horror uh, combined with kind of this Lord of the Flies uh, kind of by the way of Scream, like a slasher movie kind of thing where, um, you know, you have these teens who are dropping like flies and um, <sighs> betraying each other and trying to trying to escape the infection while it's, while it's um, ravaging its way through the island. Uh, so, yeah, I really, really loved it. It's a short book. Um, it only came out a couple of years ago without much fanfare, but it's a great kind of old school thrilling, disgusting horror novel. Oh, I it loved sounds it. great, but I think I would be actually terrified. It sounds gory. Like, <laughs> I'm a huge arachnophobe. I hate spiders. I hate insects. So I think I would get that, you know, kind of physical, you know, like, you know, when you, that ghost feeling of when yeah. you have a, 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 an insect on you. And I think that would probably... Well, without be... giving away too much, it's not spiders. <laughs> something else. Oh, my but God. It's... What creature is it? <laughs> I like the spiders as well. Not specifically, is not, it a not specifically to spiders. Any kind of insect, any kind of creepy crawly. No. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to spoil it because okay, I, so I think I think part right. part of part of the fun of it. I mean, it's not really a plot spoiler, but I think part of the fun yeah. of that book is discovering what's going on. I do want to, I do want to yeah. read it. I just think I need to read it during the day. I assume now <laughs> that it's sharks. If it's not spiders, <laughs> it's got to be sharks. Oh man. Yeah, okay, um, I'll talk about the second, I guess, set of of horror that I want to talk about. Um, this is based on, I guess, my reading of the Ballad of Black Tom by Victor Laval. Have you guys read that book at all? No. So it's I, not necessarily a retelling of The Terror at Red Hook by um, H.P. Lovecraft. It's kind of almost a companion to it, almost a resetting of it, a rehashing, a, a correction, if you will, because, um, you know, everyone, I, I guess, is aware of Lovecraft's, you know, somewhat racist tendencies that came <laughs> through in his in his writing. Um, and Red Hook is probably one of the, the stronger ones of, of that. Um, and Victor Laval wrote this with a, a new, from a, a different character's perspective, so an African-American man's perspective, and it's his story of going through the events um, of Lovecraft's novel um, and how he gets through it. And it's, it's a great example of Lovecraftian horror, a great example of Lovecraftian pastiche. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's... I don't, it's so much more uplifting, I think, than any and than any of um, Lovecraft's own ones, which can be, you know, everyone dies at the end. <laughs> Everyone's, you know, horrifically, you know, insane or, you know, or something like that. So I really enjoyed cheering for um, the characters, you know, Charles Thomas Tester and... Um, but at the same time, it is incredibly terrifying because you have these cosmic um, entities that are reaching through people and getting them to do truly horrific things to people. Um, and on top of that, there's this great social commentary as well because there are uh, elements around race and politics that are spoken about in the, in, the, in the novel and dealt with in the novel as well. So it's great social commentary and a commentary on Lovecraft. It's kind of meta at the same time that it's a really great example of um, cosmic horror as well, set in um, uh, Jazz Age New York. So This is so fantastic. cool. I feel like I'm <laughs> yeah. getting so many It's a novella, so it's a great read for Halloween night because, you know, you can read it in a, in a couple of hours. Smart. Um, yeah. But um, it, I, I really love cosmic horror and Lovecraftian horror. I've read a lot of H.P. Lovecraft's short stories, you know, starting from At the Mountains of Madness, and there's some really great examples of modern Lovecraftian or modern um, Cthulhu and cosmic horror that, um, you know, I think that 
you know, more people should probably read this. A Study in Emerald by Neil Gaiman, which is another great um, little short story as well, which I believe you can get um, oh. from even Neil Gaiman's own site. Um, there's a graphic novel version of it, which is exciting. Um, <laughs> there's heaps of great um, Cthulhu anthologies, like my personal um, favourite that comes out every uh, year or so is the Black Wings of Cthulhu anthologies with heaps of modern writers writing in that in cosmic horror um and you can even find great graphic novels um in in cosmic horror as well um one that i um really really loved was a batman uh, a graphic novel batman cosmic horror called the doom that came to gotham it's fantastic wow. <laughs> yeah so i really love um you know different takes on lovecraftian horror and it's mm. a really cool creepy kind of element to it and you know when you have these cosmic entities that are so overwhelming and so, I guess, you know, bigger and, you know, you're never going to, to defeat them or come up against them, yeah. you know, in a way that you can survive. So it's just interesting to see how they change and twist and corrupt the people who kind of go after them, the forbidden knowledge or power or whatever it might be, yeah. um, and how they, they either get out or don't uh, from that situation. But um, The Ballad of Black Tom, I think, you know, uh, you were really cheering for, for Charles. I have to read that. That's a fantastic recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have to read that yeah. Batman graphic novel. Oh, yeah. That sounds incredible. Yeah. Really cool. Really, really cool. Um, so, yeah, I'm always open for more Cosmic Horror uh, recommendations. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm struggling to think if I've ever read Cosmic Horror. I don't think I have. You'd probably know if you had. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Anything with the old gods or the elder gods or any of that. Oh, so would American gods count? That's not really horror, though. Not the same thing. Not the same yeah. type of gods. <laughs> the Elder Gods are more like cross-dimensional, um, huge entities that are just completely out of scale and looking upon them turns you insane. Um, wow. And anything they touch carries a remnant of them. And um, I, need to, I need to obviously get my hands on some cosmic It's cosmic very horror. weird. It's a very weird horror because it mm. goes through, like, you know... Um, the, the when you know when you look on it your your mind goes absolutely bonkers and all you know their planets are weird and shapes don't make sense and yeah and that kind of thing so it's a trippy it's a trippy journey in some of those stories well I don't know what to say now <laughs> I I didn't prepare very properly for this because I've got that's this just my, my TED talk list. on cosmic horror <laughs> <laughs> thank you for inviting me to your TED talk <laughs> I'm now gonna buy some cosmic horror um I don't know I I as being the uh, kids and YA category manager, I did include some YA on this. Great, list. great. But I think I'll do that last. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I had. Uh, well, why don't I read out a few and see if oh, maybe yeah. one of us, maybe we've all read one of these and we can sure. have a really interesting conversation. Um, so I had Let the Right One In on there. Oh, yeah, read? I've read that one. I haven't you, read that. Haven't but read that one. I've seen the film. <laughs> um, I forgot to write down the author's name, but it's like. Uh, is it Swedish John Advgist or something? Mm. I, Lindqvist? Mm. I can't. I should have written it down. Um, but that is an amazing vampire story. Mm. And I li- I, the reason I had it down is it's genuinely so creepy and scary. Um, and they've made it into a movie a few times, mm. but they've never really got it, right. got it as mm. scary as the book gets it. Mm. Um, it's a great take on vampires. Really, really unique. It is really unique. I haven't really read anything else like it because the, the main two characters are kids. And, um, well, uh, one of them presents as a child <laughs> but mm. is not, in fact, a child. And it's a strange little story of love. Like, <laughs> but it's also horrifically violent mm. and, and really scary and w- very atmospheric. 
Um, so I had that one on there. I also had The Passage by Justin Cronin. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I haven't read it, but um, it. my mum really likes that one. I'm going for the, like, left of centre vampire <laughs> books. Like, Have you read um, the, the whole trilogy? I have, yeah. yeah. And it's epic and it's certainly not something you could tackle on a Halloween night. You're not going to finish <laughs> it, but each book is huge. Yeah. Um, and they did make it into a TV show recently that completely, like, was nothing like the books. Um which is a shame because I was really looking forward to like a faithful adaptation. But it's big, broad, epic it, book. It's a great entry in that kind of American fiction subgenre of like the post-apocalyptic American yes. wastelands kind of novel. It's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Like a little bit um, McCarthy, a little bit like. Yeah, it's it's got a lot of like flavorings of different things in it. Yeah. Like it's it's kind of reminiscent of The Stand a little bit as well. It um, is, yeah, because yeah, it goes into the distant future and then it goes back into present times. Yeah, and it has these uh, creatures in there that are very they're vampire like, but they're humans infected with a virus, um, and I think they're called virals. It's been a while since I read it. Yeah, I think that's yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's just. It's a very, it's, it's very, it takes you a while to get through it. I mean, it took me a while, a while to get through it. <laughs> but it's um, scary, cool, post-apocalyptic vampire style story. And it's got like, the first book starts with an amazing hook, which is that yeah. they, they live in this colony and they're protected by all the lights that they have. But it's been, you know, 100 years or something and nobody knows how they work anymore and the lights are starting to go out. Yes. That's the beginning of the That's novel. Terrible. And, it's and just, as if oh, you don't just yeah. immediately get into it. And then it's like, hey, let's go back to our times. And then there's a, sto- uh, you know, a story that you can all get on board with of a, lost, a little girl who's in peril. And um, it's really good. It's, it's really good. I didn't read them all in order like I had to wait between books yeah and that means that um you know because it's been so, quite a while since I've read them and there was space in between each one when I look back on it my memory is not great but I do remember really 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 enjoying it and it's on my list and I think I should I'll the rest of mine will be YA so we'll go okay. to Unimark. okay cool actually I just wanted to add one quick one yeah like kind of left of center vampire novels they're not really scary, but there's a great series of novels by Charlie Houston called the Joe Pitt Case Books, and they're the the main character Joe Pitt is a vampire. He lives in New York, and um, the kind of world that they're in, all of the um, boroughs of New York are controlled by different gangs of vampires. I like this. And Joe Pitt kind of goes between the gangs and is a bit of a fixer and a bit of a like gun for hire for them and so it's just about how you know every book he has some case that he's working on and it's just about how he kind of works between all the rival gangs and stuff and how he's always kind of living this dangerous life where he could get taken out at any time because of who he's betraying etc it's an amazing series of novels there's like five of them they're 200 pages each and they're just like that sounds awesome to me who was the author again charlie houston okay he's not um not a big name but yeah they're really good um, but anyway, the third book that I wanted to discuss myself with this was, um, you guys read Adam Neville. The name no, sounds familiar. But I thought for sure you would talk about a Stephen King book next. Well, I yeah. felt that that was an obvious, <laughs> I felt that was a bit too obvious. <laughs> I actually used to have a whole podcast about Stephen King, so I, okay, yeah, yes. I, I can talk about other things. <laughs> um, so Adam Neville wrote a book called The Ritual, 
Um, and it got turned into a Netflix movie um, last yes. year. I, I haven't I watched it, but I've seen um, a little bit about it, yeah. So it's a great, great novel. The, the movie doesn't do it justice, but it's this awesome novel about these four friends. They're friends from high school. Um, and every year they go on a hiking, camping trip together. And this year they're going out into the Scandinavian wilderness. And it's kind of a wonderful book in a way because there's horror in it, but it also explores friendship as well. So these guys get lost in the forest and then they kind of start to realize that they have nothing in common anymore. They're doing this trip just out of a sense of obligation. Their lives are drifted apart, which kind of adds to the tension. And then this horrific nightmare creature starts hunting them in the forest. <laughs> and then and then he does this amazing thing where um, you either love this part of the book or you hate it, where in the last third, I can't give away a spoiler about it, but in the last third, it takes a sharp left turn and it turns into something completely different. And you, you either go with it and are blown away by it like I was, or you just completely get thrown out of the novel and, oh, and don't wow. like it. But I, yeah, I highly recommend that. And just as a secondary kind of recommendation, he also wrote a book called Last Days, which is about a cult that's trying to... Um, spark the apocalypse and it's a really really dark creepy novel that that kept me up at night at least so yeah adam neville he's great with um with films like midsummer which is also set somewhere Mm. in scandinavia and books like the ritual do you think that there is a a trend or for scandinavian kind of horror or are we seeing little bits and pieces every now and then yeah that's an interesting question actually um yeah because midsummer was very creepy Mm -hmm. um (laughs) And that, <laughs> I, I guess, you know, Scandinavia kind of does live in like a little a little bubble mm. like up there in the north of the world where things are very cold and, and can, can get a little strange and there's well, a lot of yeah. ancient forest up yeah. there and yeah. I think that, you know, maybe from the perspective of like the, you know, a modern American or modern Australian audience, maybe the Scandinavian landscape has an, it still has an element of mystery, it still has yeah. an element of wildness that maybe is a great um, landscape for horror. Yep. Um, yeah. I would like to see more of it. Well, I mean, certainly Scandi crime is huge. So it sort of makes sense. Mm. Like it's crime fiction and horror fiction are sort of a little bit adjacent. Mm, Um, And I guess you've already mentioned Let the Right One In, which is also Scandi, Scandi Horror. Yeah, Correct. I had a a bunch of crime novels on here, which I won't talk about because it's kind of, I think when we're talking about Halloween, it's nice to keep things kind of supernatural, which we we mainly have. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I won't talk at all right now because it's actually Sam's <laughs> Um So the third book that I wanted to talk about is actually the book I'm reading now called Gideon the Ninth. Oh, my God, I've heard mm. about by that. By Tamsin Muir. It's amazing. Um, so, and I love the front cover as well. <laughs> we are all looking at it, and I know visual cues in a podcast aren't great, but look it up online because it's a cr- crazy good cover it's crazy yeah. good and it's um it's exactly the way it's described in the text which i think is fantastic mm-hmm. um it's it's absolutely beautiful but um so i picked this up I literally one clicked it after i read the um sort of this quote someone of uh, this praise quote on the front which is lesbian necromancers explore a haunted gothic palace in space skeletons wow. <laughs> okay i i need Sold. to read that right <laughs> yeah. now <laughs> literally i was like yep that is that is the one for me um it's fantastic it's so original it's so, so good. But basically the, the story is uh, set in some kind of galaxy and you have uh, nine houses and each set on a different planet 
And this story starts with Gideon, who's from the ninth planet, which is the furthest away, and they're much more cultish. They're the, they're the, they're the house of the, the heretics, of the locked tomb, and they're, they're much more religious um, when it comes to necromancy, and their necromancy is all about sort of, you know, raising, raising bones from, from the ground mm. um, and forming them into to skeletons and things like that that do work for them. Gideon is an indentured servant whose sort of arrival on the planet is kind of shrouded in mystery. She wasn't born there. She arrived there somehow as a, as a, as a baby. Um, and she becomes the indentured servant of Harrowhawk, who is the um, sort of lady um, of the ninth house. Her parents are the sort of reverend mother and reverend father, but she kind of runs the place. And it's from the perspective of Gideon who wants to get off this rock right now. But um, she's, you know, because she's the servant of Harrow and she's kind of her punching bag, in, in, in a sense, you know, she keeps trying to escape, but Harrow keeps sort of uh, foiling her plans. Wow. Um, and basically they make a deal and if Gideon helps Harrow with this one last task, she'll give her her freedom, which is what she wants to do, which is join the, the cohort, the army. And she'll give her basically, you know, uh, her freedom to do that and earn heaps of money and, mm. um, and that kind of thing. So they go off to the planet of the first house and there's representatives from all the other houses there and they're competing in a way or to solve these challenges to become lictors, which is basically a sort of a promotion a way to, to get out of the drudgery and the, and the kind of really horrif horrifying existence on these planets where they eat gruel and it's always dark. Um, but there's, a, you know, in this palace, there's this mystery to solve and there's monsters in the house. So um, mm. there's just, there's definitely, it's not a, it's, I wouldn't call it a, specifically a horror novel. It's more like a dark space fantasy, yeah. um, but definitely has horror elements. It definitely has um, body horror from all the, um, you know, skeletons and, and things that they raise. Um, uh, but the the style of writing and the perspective of Gideon is absolutely fantastic. She's sarcastic. She's there's so much snark. Yeah. It's actually hilarious. So it's you, 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 I, I'm going for moments of laughing out loud from some of her comments. She's she talks back so much um, to and her in her sort of perspective on things to like being you know quite quite freaked out by by sort of what's happening. I'm only about halfway through, um, and a lot hap a lot happens, but it's it's absolutely a fantastic ride and. I couldn't rec recommend it more. And I'm so excited because it's the start of a series. <laughs> I am so sold on that book. Like, <laughs> I, I literally need to borrow it. I you, think we both want to borrow yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I think that, that synopsis you gave at the beginning, like, yeah. I was hooked from um, when the end of the synopsis is in space. Yeah. <laughs> and you can make any synopsis awesome by just adding that at the end. It's so true. And that's the thing, like, so it's set, obviously, in some kind of distant, distant future because they have mm. remnants of, you know, a modern period. There's no paper. Paper's really rare. But it's also in space. But the focus isn't on, you know, space guns and flying around in space. It's, it's set on these very... Not Earth-like, but these very um, contained worlds, contained worlds yeah. and sort of, you know, on-planet on things. And things aren't that different. Maybe the atmosphere is still being terraformed or it's a little bit, it's more of a sea planet. It's something different to what we're used to, but it's not, um, it's not a space opera in the sense that you're flying around in space yeah. all the time. It's a space opera in the sense that it's set in, in space, in space on, on, like on planets that we don't know. Yeah. kind of thing and the mythology that she builds around it is around the sort of necromantic cult around the necromantic um, power and how they use it is really tied in so neatly to Gideon's perspective as she learns about things and as she sort of informs the reader in little bits and pieces mm. you don't get like a chapter of the back history at the beginning um, it's an incredibly fast-paced story all yeah. the way through 
Um, even even when they're doing sitting around doing nothing, like when you know um, Gideon's just you know training, it's still such a great ride. So uh, you guys definitely need to read it. I'm on board. I'm <laughs> yeah. so on board. I, I know I said I would talk about YA, but this is kind of why it's not YA, but it's by a YA author, if that makes sense. Um, I'm just veering into this because he started getting me thinking about the Nevernight Chronicles by ah. Jay Crystal, um, which recently finished so all three books are out which is the ideal time to start a trilogy (laughs) to save yourself some pain and again this is not horror it's adult fantasy but the main character is she kind of in the first book goes to assassin school to learn to become an assassin and she's got an amazing revenge like uh, motivation throughout the whole thing. The the book, this is not a spoiler, the book literally starts with the execution of her father when she's a child. So she grows up and is like, I'm going to take down the people mm. who uh, killed my father and, you know, the rest of her family. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> the it's, it's wildly violent. Like, it's amazing world building. Um, it's also full of footnotes <laughs> uh, and the footnotes are so funny. And with this series, I tend to read the book all the way through without looking at the footnotes because the story is fast paced and you want to know what happens next. And I don't have time for footnotes the first time through. But then the second time through, I read the footnotes and it's almost becomes a comedy from them. <laughs> um, so I really, I enjoyed that. But yes, it's a violent world. This is a world where you have the ability to kind of, I guess it's like teleporting from one place to another, but you go through, you submerse yourself in a blood pool and when you walk out of the blood pool, you've travelled. Oh, <laughs> so cool. this, can you imagine the imagery <laughs> of just rising up out yeah. of it? And the main um, character, Mia Corvair, is just like a, just your perfect goth princess type assassin killer. So um, she's a heavy smoker. She's like got a companion who is a cat made out of shadow nice. <laughs> um it's, cool. it's just awesome the world is really awesome it's vaguely uh, italian renaissance feeling but very violent very no prisoners held is that no bars hold take no prisoners that's what i was yeah, going for that's it. no <laughs> bars hold take no prisoners storytelling and it's and it's a wild wild rush and i spoke about that instead of any of the YA books i was planning to speak on but that's fine um are we out of are we out of time I think, I think we probably are. We've got to wrap it up. Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us on this scary, scary trip through book recs for Spooktopia, a.k.a. Halloween. And you can find all the books that we spoke about today at www.booktopia.com.au. Bye. Bye. <laughs> thanks for listening to the Booktopia podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if your eyeballs need a workout, check us out on YouTube at Booktopia TV. And don't forget, for all books featured on this episode and all episodes of the Booktopia podcast, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore, at www.booktopia.com.au. Thanks for listening.